uh, not only kind of opening up that world of the Tanakh to me personally, but also for uh, for helping me think about how I construct, whether it's sermons or my thoughts and, and using uh, those voices as, as a guide uh, really has stuck with me in my rabbinate. But since those days, many years ago, uh, Rabbi Weiss has impacted countless students, so many, not just in her classroom, but throughout the entire HUC community. And she now serves as the provost of the entire college, stretching out over the four campuses in New York, Cincinnati, Los Angeles, and Jerusalem. And uh, she's been an incredible leader for our entire reform movement in the development and strengthening of the rabbis and cantors and Jewish educators who serve our people. And also, uh, Dr. Weiss has led us through some very challenging times too, including giving us really uh, such needed comfort uh, following the loss of our dear HUC president, Rabbi Aaron Pankin. And now, of course, rising to the challenge of creating a meaningful and functional remote learning experience for the current HUC students in the era of COVID. This uh, past winter, as many of you know, I was on a sabbatical with my family in Philadelphia, where I happened to be living very close to Rabbi Weiss. And I was glad to catch up with her in February over a cup of coffee in a nearby cafe. It was great to see her and, and learn about her work. And I asked her a lot about how she does her job, that, you know, she's connected to all of these different campuses and students and faculty. And she told me, well, she spends most of her day on Zoom. And uh, Andrea, you were really ahead of the curve of all of us. Uh, and so I'm sure you have much to teach us. But we could never have imagined that this is where our world would be today. Um, but of course, also, it allows us to, to have you with us. And we are delighted to welcome you to our congregation today, especially for the special occasion and in honor of this wonderful group of women at Temple Shalom, our sisterhood Rosh Chodesh group, uh, who has been gathering each month, each month for, for many, many years, I think really since very close to the publication of the Women's Torah Commentary, of which Rabbi Weiss uh, is one of the co-editors of this really significant project. And our Rosh Chodesh group uh, has now finished studying through the entire commentary and uh, I'm just very impressed with them and want to wish them uh, really uh, mazel tov on that accomplishment. Uh, it's terrific and uh, I, when you talk to me about wanting to bring in a scholar in honor there was no one better that I could think of than, uh, than Rabbi Weiss. So Andrea we're really glad that you're here and I want to invite you now to join us on screen and uh, share your words of, of Torah with us. Well, thank you, Rabbi Brown, for that uh, gracious introduction and for inviting me to be part of your congregation. I have uh, warm memories, fond memories of a childhood vacation to Vancouver and hope that maybe one day you'll be, uh, you'll invite me back when I can come in person, but it's nice to be with you uh, on Zoom and especially to celebrate the, um, the Temple Shalom Sisterhood, completing a full cycle of Torah study using the Torah of Women's Commentary. Um, and especially this um, being our, the bat mitzvah year of the commentary that it gives us. It's just exciting to see that it is still a vital part of so many people's uh, study of Torah. So I'm gonna um, 
uh, I'll share my screen and I have a PowerPoint that I'm going to walk through how the commentary came about and some reflections on what it still means uh, today. So um, I'm, I'm going to begin with um, actually with a passage that my family where we read each Shabbat, each Passover, and this comes in the Haggadah that we use. And so I want to frame the story of the Torah, a woman's commentary in this way. So this is a passage from a different night Haggadah about Isidore Rabi, the Nobel laureate in physics, who was once asked, asked, why did you become a scientist rather than a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman like all the other immigrant kids in your neighborhood? And he replied, my mother made me a scientist without ever intending it. Every other Jewish mother in Brooklyn would ask her child after school, "New, did you learn anything today? But not my mother. She always asked me a different question. Izzy, she would say, did you ask a good question today? That difference, asking good questions, made me become a scientist. And asking a good question is exactly what brought about the creation of the Torah, a women's commentary. And that was a question that Cantor Sarah Sager asked 28 years ago. Um, and that she was, uh, as you can see here in 1992, she was asked to be, uh, Sarah Sager was a cantor at Anche Chesed Fairmont Temple in the Cleveland area in Ohio, was asked to um, be the scholar in residence for what was then called National Federation of Temple Sisterhoods, now um, Women of Reformed Judaism. And she was asked to be the scholar in residence for District 3, which is the uh, Albany area district. They were meeting in Albany. And the parsha was one we read uh, just a week or so ago, Vayera, in which uh, Abraham takes uh, his son Isaac up the mountain um, and nearly sacrifices him. And Sarah asked a question, which in 1992 was a relatively new question. And that was, uh, where was Sarah? when Abraham brought their son up the mountain. So Cantor Sager started doing some research to try to answer that question. And what she found is that then 28 years ago, there were beginning to be men and women in a variety of different fields who were starting to ask those questions and to uh, wanna know more about the women who are mentioned in the Bible and also what we know about women in the, um, in the ancient Near East, Near East, women in the biblical world. But the problem she realized was that there was no organized way to access all of this research. And that gave her an idea. And she presented that idea at, in 1992 at the District 3 conference. And then a year later, she was invited to be the speaker at the, uh, the national uh, biennial, the National Assembly of, at the conference in which they actually changed the name of NFTS to Women of Reformed Judaism. And uh, the parasha that week was Lech Lecha, which we read a few weeks ago. And Cantor Sager, um, from her talk was then called Sarah's Hidden Voice, Recovering and Discovering Women's Spirituality. And this is how she ended her talk. She said, I present this final charge to you, not as a theoretical proposal of something women ideally ought to do and somehow will be accomplished out there by women rabbis and scholars. And remember she's speaking to the women of Reform Judaism, their lay leaders. I present this idea of reclaiming Torah as a very specific proposal to this great gathering of Jewish women, to this unique organization dedicated to the spiritual life and religious empowerment of Reformed Jewish women. If we are really serious about women's spirituality, 
about reclaiming our history and our voices, about integrating the Torah of our tradition into the Torah of our lives, then there is something very concrete we can do. We can commission the creation of the first feminist commentary to the Torah. And Cantor Sager ended the, those words with the singing of Debbie Freeman's Lechilach. And I have been told um, by a number of witnesses that there was not a dry eye in the house. And people were really moved and motivated to try to fulfill this idea that she articulated of creating a women's Torah commentary. So how, do you, how, does, how does one do that? How does it go from this kind of bold, big idea um, into exploring how do you actually make that happen? So a um, couple, about a year and a half later in uh, May of 1995, the Women of Reformed Ju Judaism organized a conference in Newark. I was getting my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania at the time and was invited to attend. And you can see that it brought together a number of women uh, scholars and rabbis. And we spent two days in a conference hotel in a, you know airport hotel in Newark, New Jersey, and really studied existing Torah commentaries, talked about what a women's commentary might involve. We asked who would write for it, what it might look like, what it might cost, how long it might take. We didn't have answers to a lot of those questions, but there was a clear uh, desire at the end of that conference to move forward and, and explore the idea. So WRJ committed the funds to begin to ex further uh, explore the idea. So we then, um, I worked with Rabbi Emily Faginson and another um, rabbi who was also um, getting a, a PhD at Penn at the time. And we worked on a pilot project called Beginning the Journey, a women's commentary on the Torah. And we picked three or four Torah portions and we sent out invitations to all graduates of, all women graduates of um, HUC and of Leo Beck College. And we asked people just to share their writings on, um, on the, the Torah portions that we had selected. And we got them and we culled them and edited them and put it together into this little paper paperback book. And what was helpful about this project is, um, is that it, it showed us, it, it provides some direction. It certainly was not the, uh, the book did not turn out to be exactly what we wanted it to be. And it was helpful in that regard because it helped us focus and to realize that if the project was gonna really be distinct and really make a contribution, we really wanted to focus on the scholarship of women, not simply, not simply on um, more homiletical pieces, but really on scholarship. So that allowed us then to start to craft a vision of what the commentary might look like. So my, for, my teacher and mentor, now colleague, Dr. Tamara Skenazi, who teaches Bible at HUC in Los Angeles, was appointed as the editor. And I was later appointed as the associate editor. Um, we put together an editorial board. You can see has a number of scholars, rabbis, cantors. And we started working, this is in about 2001, on, on creating a vision for this book. And those conversations led to a basic design for the book. And what we wanted for this project was we wanted the commentary to be multivocal so that there would be different people speaking about each Torah portion. And we saw this as both definitively feminist and also definitively Jewish. And our um, role model in this regard was Mikro Kedolot, if you've ever studied the Rabbinic Bible, which has the Hebrew text, an Aramaic translation, and various commentaries on the page. People coming from different times and places who are adding their contributions, their insights on Torah. 
So we came up with a structure that each tour portion, the, the heart of it would be what we call the central commentary, which would be written by a Bible scholar. Then we would have a short essay, which we called another view, which would be a short essay by another Bible scholar that would be a different perspective on something in the parsha. We then wanted to have a portion where we brought together what post-biblical uh, interpreters had to say, the rabbis, medieval commentators, Hasidic commentaries, et cetera. Um, and they're drawing upon women who were um, in rabbinics and other related fields. And then we had a, the uh, fourth section called Contemporary Reflections. We wanted to have an opportunity for a range of different women to reflect on what the Torah portion means to us as contemporary readers. And then um, we had we come up came up with a fifth uh, section, and that's called Voices. And we that was. Um, we weren't sure we could do it, but we were able to, to actually make it happen, which was to have predominantly poetry. And that section was important because if you think about Sarah Sager's original question, where was Sarah um, when Abraham brought the, their son up the mountain, as a Bible scholar, I can't answer that question. But we can have poets and other, other women who are creatively thinking about how they would answer that. Um, so so that um, we had that section. So you can see of these, so with the voices section, we had a committee of people who culled through a, a, a vast array of material over several years and assembled the poems that we used in that. So that was, we used material that was largely already existing. For the other four sections, we invited people to contribute. So this is a, what you see on the screen here is the chart that we assembled. And if you do the math here, there are 54 Torah portions and with four invited sections per parasha, that means that there were 215 um, or 216 slots that we had to fill between uh, 2002 when we first sent out invitations and 2007 when the book was uh, finally went to the to the publishers and at the beginning we didn't think that we could actually fulfill that it actually it was going to be you know it took us several years to fill it and one of the things that we noticed as we started to get people signing up was how diverse our writers were in terms of uh, geographically, where they were on the religious specter, spectrum. Um, and so we really tried to build on that so that our, our, our writers were as diverse as possible. So once we had, we had an initial parasha, uh, Pinchas, which is where we started, and you can see this was an initial temp. We, we wanted to, or the, the original idea was to follow the model of Mikrokidolo with the, the commentary and the, the Torah. Um, that ended up being hard to follow. So in the end, we stuck, you'll, yeah, those of you who've been using the book know to sort of more traditional format. While we were working on the editing and the design of the book, the women of Reform Judaism were hard at work fundraising for it. They raised um, uh, $1.5 million to fund the project. Um, and then uh, we, we published a sample parasha in 2006 to try to generate interest. And we had a study guide, this week's parasha, parasha Chaye Sarah. Um, we started advertising it. This is uh, the ad campaign that they put together. And I actually, in my office, I have a large poster from this. Um, I love this, uh, this ad. They both ate the fruit. 
but Eve got the blame for centuries. Torah commentary was written by men. Rabbinic interpretation framed the text and our views until now. So um, you can see that's in part how it was pitched. And then we finally um, debuted the book in 2007 at the URJ Biennial, which was in San Diego, um, which was particularly meaningful for me. I'm a native San Diegan and my parents were um, volunteers at the Biennial and their job was to put thousands of these books um, for the Shabbat service. So, um, and we debuted it with a great celebration. Um, and I'm wondering if anyone who's, uh, who's here uh, in this service was there. Um, and so just to kind of run through, we don't, we, uh, I'm mindful of the time. So this is just to kind of give you a sample of, this is the, of um, each Parsha begins with an introduction that gives an overview of the Parsha. One of the unique features of the book is the outline that comes at the second page of each Parsha that gives uh, an overview in a very concise way of, of the contents of the parsha. We then have the Hebrew text and a, what is referred to here as a gender accurate translation. And then the commentary below, this is the central commentary. And on the third page of each parsha, you'll see these um, pull quotes that point you to the other sections that I mentioned earlier, the another view, the post-biblical interpretations, contemporary reflections, and voices. Um, just to quickly, um, just a few other comments on what happened after the book came out. We got a lot of press. This is my favorite um, from, uh, this is from a Northern California Jewish publication, a Torah of one's own at long last women's voices are heard. Um, we also received in 2009, we received the Everett Family Foundation Jewish Book Council Book of the Year Award. And what's noteworthy about this is that the Jewish Book Council has a category called women's books, which are women books by women about women. And they didn't award the book this, they gave it the Book of the Year Award. And um, I want to share what uh, Blue Greenberg, a very prominent Orthodox feminist, had to say about the book. Here are the voices of women from across the entire spectrum of Jewish life, women speaking and listening to each other with great respect. Although this work was initiated, funded, shepherded, overseen, edited, and largely produced by two extraordinary reformed Jewish scholars, their mostly reform editorial board and the women of reformed Judaism, it does not have a feeling of being owned by any one group which explains, I think, why it has so quickly become the property of the whole Jewish people, indeed, as any good Torah commentary should. Um, I'll just point out another project that we did as soon as we completed the book was over a course of uh, a number of years, my colleague at HUC in New York, uh, Dr. Lisa Grant and I edited um, Torah study guides, which you can find on the WRJ website for every parasha. Um, here's a sample of, of how those work, which are both studying the parasha and studying it through the lens of the Torah women's commentary. Um, in 2013, my colleague at HUC in Cincinnati, Dr. Jason Kalman and I wrote an article for the 100th anniversary of the Women of Reform Judaism, um, an article we called By Women, About Women, For Women, a new Torah commentary for a new millennium where we put the project sort of in, we put it in the, the context of changes and the development of women as scholars and, and feminism. Um, that was an important project because it allowed us to assemble an archive. So all of the, as many materials as we can find related to the creation of the commentary are now housed in the American Jewish archives on the Cincinnati campus of the Hebrew Union College. And we'll end with this um, last piece. So, you know, uh, at, the, at the 10th anniversary, um, which coincided with the start of the Me Too movement, movement really showed 
um, exactly as Hare Person, Rabbi Hare Person, who is the executive, um, the head of the Central Conference for American Rabbis and was the um, was the managing editor of the Torah Women's Commentary. She wrote this article, Why Women's Torah Commentary Matters Today More Than Ever, that was 10 years afterwards. And she wrote, the publication of the Torah Women's Commentary was historic because when women become scholars and commentators of Torah, we take our rightful place in the sacred dialogue of text study, fulfilling the age-old Jewish responsibility of creating ongoing Jewish engagement and meaning. When women create a Torah commentary, we declare that the lives and experiences of the women of the Torah matter, and thus the lives and concerns of contemporary women matter too. So that is a, a quick uh, sharing with you of both the, the creation of the Torah Women's Commentary and also um, some of the impact that it's had many years later. I'll be happy to uh, join the Kiddush afterwards and uh, answer any questions that people have there. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much, Andrea. Wonderful to uh, hear all about that incredible process and uh, and its impact today is definitely felt. Um, for those of you who also want to learn more from uh, Rabbi Weiss, she's going to be uh, doing a Torah study with our uh, Rosh Chodesh group on Rosh Chodesh, which is this coming Tuesday at one o'clock, uh, or excuse me, at 12 o'clock, I believe, 12 o'clock. And, uh, and you can join us on Zoom for that. There's information on the Temple website uh, to register for that link. Terrific.